Hey, this is Coach Freddie here, inspiring people to do things that inspire them, and welcome to the I Have for Evolution, where we'll be discussing the benefits of growing and using industrial hemp for people, planet, and profit. Conversations about the history, legalization, farming, harvesting, processing, building, manufacturing, investing, and how industrial hemp can benefit people's lives, heal the planet, and how it can be used to make thousands of products and boost the economy and business. So, are you ready to join the iHemp revolution? Hey, it's Coach Freddie here, and I'm talking with Clint Palmer. We were just out at a farm this afternoon and uh, did a little harvesting of some industrial hemp. And uh, welcome, uh, Clint, to the iHemp Revolution podcast. Thanks for having me, Freddie. Glad to be here. All right. So, Clint, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got started in industrial hemp? Uh, well, I was actually enrolled in school doing environmental technology engineering and uh, had always been interested in hemp and actually done uh, a speech in my speech class about hemp. And I'd always wanted to get involved um, as an activist. And there wasn't a real opportunity within our state to, to do anything. And then um, in 2013, we had um, a group called Tennessee Hemp Industries Association uh, get formed. And I found them on Facebook and liked the page followed the page and then um, they put out a they were seeking a um, an intern and I was currently looking for an internship so I posted my resume sent in my resume and waited a couple months later and I'd heard back about another opportunity and so I reached out um, to Colleen Sauvet who I didn't know at the time and asked her if she um, had ever picked anybody to be the intern she asked me if I wanted to do it and I said yes and that was in December and then we went on to uh go and work at the legislature and um, help educate the legislature on uh, the benefits of industrial hemp for the state and ended up testifying before the Ag and Natural Resource Committee and got grilled by some uh, pretty conservative uh, politicians. And uh, luckily, the I answered the questions to the best of my ability, and it was good enough to, uh, to get the bill passed uh, th out of the committee that it needed to get out of. And then we ended up getting more than enough votes in the House, and the Senate voted unanimously in our favor, and the bill was passed, and I immediately went back to my university, um, MTSU here in Middle Tennessee, and went to the Department of Agriculture there, and uh, happened to meet a fellow named Dr. Warren Gill, who was the chair at the time, and he had just finished reading the, the History of Kentucky Hemp just a few days before, and the book was still on his desk. And so he was already excited about it before I got there, told him um, about the bill passing, and he had no idea. And um, he pretty much just said, you need to talk to some people in the department here. And so he sent me across the hall and ended up meeting with uh, Dr. Song Choi, who's an incredible agronomist. And uh, he was uh, willing to let me use some of his acreage, um, or willing to put some acreage towards uh, industrial hemp. And once I got that okay, I went back to Dr. Gill, and he said, well, there's we don't know anybody that knows this much about it. How about you just do it? And I said, well, yeah, that'd be cool. And he goes, but you'll have to change your degree and come over to the Department of Agriculture to, to actually do that. And so I kind of looked at it, and I was going to lose a year um, from working on a different major to switch majors. But 
kind of realized it was a great opportunity to um, try something new and you know be a part of something that I really believed in and never had been uh, an FFA kid or never really done a whole lot of farm work but changed my major went to the Department of Ag and switched over to the plant and soil science major there and was able to work with the university um, from the from the bottom staff all the way up to the president on uh, getting uni- the university to do industrial hemp and we had to have private meetings um, with the president and, and the department and provost and everyone and it was it went really well and uh, they got on board with us trying to do it for hempcrete we have a great uh, concrete management program at the university and that's uh that's where we were really wanting to go with it and um we did a variety trial for the state uh, with hopes of um, providing the uh, concrete um, industry management um, department with some herd for them to do some uh, research with it. And we ended up having uh, so much Johnson grass, it was more of a field of Johnson grass than it was hemp, and it actually <laughs> choked it out and killed it. And so the opportunity to do the herd really wasn't there because harvesting was uh, pretty much not an option at that point. So. We did some a lot of educating with it though. We um, we had an open field day at the farm. They have one of those every year, and we were able to hand harvest quite a bit of hemp and use a about a hundred year old seed cleaner um, that hemp was actually in the manual for it. And so we were able to match the screens for hemp um, exactly and um, use that seed cleaner at the open field day and educate. We had a couple tables set up with uh, HIA information and stuff like that and. I had the seed cleaner set up, and that was kind of one of the big shows for the night was us uh, running hemp seed and cleaning it uh, there oh, on the great. spot. Yeah. And so after that, um, after the hemp got grown last summer, I actually graduated in December with the plant and soil science degree. And throughout the course of the past two years before I graduated, I um, through the Tennessee Hemp Industry Association, I was immediately put into the network with um, – a lot of the industry professionals um, by going to the the conferences and um, went out to the NOCO hemp show a couple times, uh, went out to Colorado and built a um, hemp creek tiny home with Steve Allen, just really tried to do everything I possibly could to be a part of the industry and um, at the same time educate myself and others on, on industrial hemp. And that, you know, and that was uh, last year's plant, not 2015, right? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So tell us about uh, this year's plant. Uh, you have uh, close to an acre of uh, industrial hemp that you've planted. I was out there, and uh, it was looking good. I was right in the middle of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we, we do all of our stuff is through our Department of Agriculture. We work with certified cultivars only, and so they kind of they uh, get a list of what they're going to have available, and um, the farmers are able to pick from that list and uh, there wasn't any fiber cultivars available last year, and I really want to see a natural fiber re- renaissance in the country. And so uh, my girlfriend and I kind of picked the fiber variety um, um, to, to actually grow for fiber. And so we densely planted 39,000 square feet with about 30 pounds of uh, hemp seed. So it was more than 30 pounds per acre. Uh, we applied about uh, 100 units of nitrogen. That's not a hundred pounds of urea but a hundred actual pounds of nitrogen um, into the soil and uh, got a pretty good stand that came up we did have a pretty strong weed pressure but because it was such a small enough square footage we were able to go through and hand weed the entire 
lot except for one strip that we couldn't get to because the hemp grew so fast it actually made it where we couldn't get to it. Okay. And so now we got a very dense field that um, hopefully is going to be able to uh, bring in a pretty good fiber harvest um, for for the state here. And we also did a little bit of a um, little bit of a seed crop as well, um, and that looks amazing too. It's just not a not a big field of it, but um, yeah, the Tennessee industry is slowly taking off um, with the ability of processors coming online in 2016 with new legislation allowing for that. That was the hiccup last year in Tennessee was that they didn't allow for processing um, in the in the law, which without legal framework to operate under, a lot of uh, businesses weren't willing to come to the table because um, they felt like they didn't have that, that framework to operate under. But with uh, with the addition of processors and, and uh, added right next to growers throughout the law, um, the processors will be able to come into the state and uh, work freely with industrial hemp. In the near future, let's say in the next three years, how do you see specifically, and you mentioned hempcrete and the building industry, how do you see that coming along? Well, I know that they're working on the international standards right now, um, and so once once they can actually put out the uh, um, the the research and the standards for hempcrete internationally, that those codes get um, pretty much passed down to most countries, um, other than like your third world countries. Uh, your first world countries pretty much operate under the international codes, and so because of that, um, once hempcrete actually is uh, defined internationally under a building code it's going to take off like a rocket um, because then you're going to have the ability to um, for companies to get fired up and actually do like um, you know uh, you know pre preformed walls um, you know preformed uh, preformed bricks like are is coming out of spain with the the can of bricks out of spain using clay and fiber and uh, so there's going to be um, applications from pretty much from the ground up for, for hemp in a home. Um, anything from pressed board to insulation in the wall, um, you know, fiber insulation, um, in, in the ceilings, there's, you know, there's, you know, anything plastic in the home, the, you know, the wood stains and the resins and the, the glues, all of those things, uh, can be made from natural products, especially from hemp. That's kind of my, my favorite, uh, portion of the hemp. And is the uh, building industry in the hempcrete because, uh, as we talked before the, uh, earlier this afternoon, uh, I mentioned I wanted to build a tiny hemp house, and maybe more than one. <laughs> the more the merrier. <laughs> oh yeah. So so where do you see yourself fitting in? I know that you're going to be working at the college now. How do you see yourself fitting in at the college? And then maybe even later on after your college career, where do you see yourself going? It's it's hard to say where the opportunities are going to be because uh, this opportunity that I, that I have with the university was was not um, in anybody's inclining of a mind that this we could um, create uh, um, such a stir and um, create legislation to allow for a, it's basically the legislation allows for universities um, to work with uncertified cultivars in a certified cultivar state to create a certified cultivar that's good for our environment and for our state. And luckily, Tennessee is a very long state. And so um, due to that, uh, there's not not much more than a degree um, latitudinally. And so because of that, we're going to be able to create a cultivar that will be good um, all the way across our state. 
Ah. And um, that's that's what's really needed right now is cultivars that um, are used to our photo period um, that can um, basically in our climate and our temperatures and our amount of sunlight be able to have a vegetative phase and a flowering phase. Um, currently, we're using a lot of genetics that when we put in the ground, they go straight to flower because they are not used to the amount of uh, light that we get um, during the months of May and June. And so... We don't have the crops that you might see up north using their seed, um, but with the uh, with with the university um, doing this, where you know it's going to be a, a, at least a five six year program to create something a cultivar that will will work um, in our environment and be stable enough to to be certified. Okay, well, that's that's very interesting. I never heard that part of it, and because uh, Tennessee is is a long state. That's mm-hmm makes a lot of sense even to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 going to be a real good thing and i mean it'll be it'll be good for our neighboring states to the east and west as well then that because they're going to be right along those lines in states like north carolina that have a uh, pretty pretty similar climate and um you know to the west of us you know missouri's coming online as a hemp state um so there's going to be there's going to be opportunities um throughout the nation once the these certified uh, cultivars are created underneath the international seed code certification program and that's mm-hmm. that's the that's the big key because there's a lot of seed certification quote unquote going on right now that is not actually creating um, a stable um, certified cultivar it's it's just creating uh, it's going to be certified under 0.3 uh, THC which does not mean that um the variety is going to be stable enough for you to put out in the field and even harvest um, at the same height. Mm-hmm. Um, so big things, uh, big big programs have to have to take this. The a breeding uh, breeding program is a is as a at minimum a five year program. It's not something that you can just um, take take two hybrids and um, stick them together and um, call it a brand new cultivar. That's that's called cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and you're not gonna, and by doing that, you're not gonna create a, a commercially stable product. You're not gonna create a product that somebody's gonna put in their field this year and come back and plant again. Let's talk about your involvement with outside industry as far as consulting. Do you see yourself doing that? Any kind of consulting to industry? Yeah, um, I've, I've actually, you know, I've, I've helped out uh, people quite a bit. Uh, I would call it more. Um, friendly consulting at this point because uh, I've been doing a lot of it um, just to really promote the industry uh, but in the future I, yeah there'll be significant opportunities for people that have already worked with this crop once or twice before um, to help new farmers out and um, lots of times the the a, a farm consulting contract um, is, is going to pay for the consultant and Ideally, you know, to promote the industry, you want to see people succeed at uh, growing this crop, and you don't want to see uh, crop failures and other issues uh, due to, you know, really minor things that are just overlooked by people that may not have the skill sets um, yet um, to, to have a successful crop. And that's where um, hiring an outside consulting firm to come in and really um, help advise you on your, you know, planning and pre-planting and, uh, you know, post-planting and Harvest and IPM and all all these things can lead to higher yields and uh, more more dollars for your crop than you would have had before. Mm-hmm. 
and so that's where that's where the, the industry will go eventually just like every other industry you're going to have uh, business professionals that are there to assist um, your farm and um, basically create a create an income for you where you may not have had one um, going, okay. going at it alone and you're you're really poised at uh, at, at positioning yourself because I know you you know a lot more than about about the crops and everything uh, just about anybody I've talked to so far so I commend you with that well, good job you can just you can pick up books and pick up your phone and read it and keep reading and um, always look for research don't look for articles published by um, you know uh, these online um, entities they are uh, usually just uh, a bunch of words that they flowed right off their fingers but if you can find actual research and uh, get into that research whether it's the agronomy side the horticulture side the bioscience side um, that's where you're going to do your real learning um, there you go you're going to be able to pick up uh, you're going to spend time looking at the dictionary and figuring out what words mean because uh, real real scientific stuff is uh, pretty thick and you're going to have to uh, whip out the dictionary and learn a few things and that's the beauty of it because when you get done you're your level of knowledge, you've added vocabulary, you know this much more about the cannabis plant, and um, that's that's the information that's valuable is the, is the data and the um, somebody that's already done the same thing you want to do and learning from their experiences. Yeah, yeah. So knowledge is power. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Clint, I'm going to thank you for being on the IHAMP Revolution podcast, but before we leave, is there anything else that you would like to bring up about yourself or what you're doing or the association, anything? Yeah, so I mean, I, w- I work close with the TNHIA still. Um, I was orig- the first and only current intern. I guess I'd probably still, I don't know if Colleen will let me get past intern status, but I think I might get there soon. Uh, <laughs> Still working, um, still working with them. We hold monthly meetings at MTSU, and anybody interested can visit tnhia.org. Uh, we post all of our meeting information on there, um, and yeah, that's that's uh, that's probably the 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 most motivating thing that I've done is uh, just getting together and networking with other people, and I think that's the best thing that you can do. Um, and in your individual areas, is seek out people that are. Uh, like-minded individuals that want to see this type of industry grow and people that are motivated and um, ambitious enough to actually put the effort forth to go and educate folks, Um, you know, visit your capital, visit your legislatures, you know, make the phone calls, call people, talk to people and educate folks. And that's, that's how the, that's how the ball got rolling in Tennessee. And that's how we have, you know, 30 States now uh, doing hemp and um, the others will come online um, just, just by uh, looking over at the other States and learning from everybody else's examples. Exactly. And your meetings are the first Wednesday of each month. First Wednesday of every month at MTSU in the new science building room, 1190. They're at six o'clock and um, all the information is available on the website, tnhia.org. And uh, anybody from any state is welcome. Um, you don't have to be from Tennessee. If you're just here visiting somebody and happen to be in town, come see us. Yeah, I know. They even let me get yeah. in there, and I'm not from Tennessee. <laughs> a northerner, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we take special guests, um, and we'll you know give you time to get up in front of everybody and um, talk about what you do um, for the plant and for the industry. And I'm always willing to promote um, new people that are coming into it and um, – just want to see it grow. There you go. All right. 
Well, thank you, Clint. Thanks for having me, Freddie. All right. You take care now. You too. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today. And make sure that you subscribe to the iHemp Revolution podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Give us a review and follow us on facebook.com forward slash iHempRevolution. Like us and then tell your friends. Help us spread the word about how using industrial hemp can benefit people, heal the planet, and provide long-term profit. This is your host, Coach Freddie, inspiring people to do things that inspire them, and thanks for joining the iHemp Revolution.